as I left, you know, kind of mentally or figuratively, I, I put my basketball shoes, my basketball in the back of my closet in Evanston, Wyoming. I was like, I'll see this in two years. Two years for two years though, I'm gonna focus a hundred percent on the job I have at hand. And that job was to um, learn Spanish language, learn to um, you know, let's call it faith principles to help change and help people's lives become better and 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 serve someone else, someone, someone other than myself. And so that's what I did. We have it was a missionary, it's a very disciplined lifestyle. You know, we're up uh six in the morning studying. Then we go out and we're out all day until about well in Chile until nine o'clock at night is when we come back to our apartments and and plan for the next day. Every Monday is called preparation day. And that's the one day where we get to go, we go to the grocery store to get groceries and we can do something fun until six o'clock at night. So um, on those days, we typically play some soccer. Uh, we played baseball. We had maybe two or three of those days in in two years that uh, we actually played some form of basketball. But that was it, that was it. Another season in the books, the podcast featuring current and former professional athletes. They come from all over the world, and many spent their college years studying and playing in the United States. We talk athletics, academics, and because life is so interesting, a little bit of everything else. I'm your host, Leslie Knight, 14-year veteran in Europe's professional basketball leagues. I played one year in Switzerland and 13 consecutive seasons in Spain. I played my last game in Madrid for Movistar Estudiantes on January 29th of 2022 as I was three months pregnant and not really feeling like running up and down the court anymore or banging in the low post, might I add. Our little babe was born in August of 2022, which means we are officially sleep deprived and a little off our rocker first time parents bear with me. Anyway, enough about me. It's about that time. So let's get to it. Buenos dias, buenas tardes, buenas noches. Hello, everyone. We are back at it. And what a great way to return after being absent for more than a month. Today's episode is special. Special for me because this person is a big deal. And I was not expecting him to reply to my message. But not only did he reply, he got back to me the very same day. J.C. Carroll has been the recipient of numerous awards throughout his career. And while playing for a decade with Real Madrid, he has become a EuroLeague champion twice, an ACB champion five times, a Copa del Rey and a Supercopa champ six times each. He can shoot it with the best of them. His endurance is off the charts. He's got grit. He's got heart. He's got cows and bees to look after, along with four kids. He's the head girls varsity coach at Mountain Crest High School. And did I mention he's also an investment advisor? He does it all. He finds time for it all. And he spoke with me, a complete stranger. JC Carroll, everyone. He is the real deal on the court and in life. So without further ado, here he is. All right, JC, buenos dias. Um, my first question I have to ask, were you able to watch the game last night? 
<laughs> no, good question. I, I wish the answer was yes. I was not able to see it. Uh, I was able to to see the highlights and obviously the the amazing game winning shot by Sergi Yu, and you know just incredible what they were able to do. Uh, Eddie Tavares MVP, uh, very well deserving. He's he's been right around there making big plays for years now, and it's it's nice to see him get recognition, especially as he's kind of been. Famously, a defensive player for most of his his career to be able to get the MVP recognition. So um, amazing! So happy for him. Yeah, I mean, you being you played for Real Madrid for what ten years? Ten years with Real. Yep. Yeah. So for you to see your old teammates winning another Euro League championship, I mean, that's it's got to be pretty cool. And I don't know if you know this, but one of your former coaches, Jota Cuspinera. He was mm-hmm. commentating the game with uh, uh, Calderon, I think, from Calderon was in New York and Jota was here in Spain, but they did the commentary and were on uh, La Ser, the Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yep. So pretty cool. Pretty cool. Big deal. Yeah, I mean, for, for Americans who don't understand EuroLeague and who don't know the, like, the grandiose, what it is, it's... Uh, quite the feat and you have you won your league twice with round won two year leagues yep I played yeah. in the finals and and yeah you know as americans i i love american basketball i i like i like everything my my teammates my um my trainers would always tease me about oh you're just just american you know superhero we're gonna save everything you know why are all the superheroes from from america it's like oh we make that we make great movies um but we kind of get closed-minded. We don't see anything past our borders sometimes. And there's a there's a wonderful, incredible basketball world, um, highly competitive, high level of basketball outside of the United States that um that we don't appreciate, that we don't see a lot of. And mm-hmm. and honestly, I don't think there's anything greater than the early final four. That weekend's amazing. I I was trying to think. I won two, but I think I played in four other. Uh, final four so that'd be six final fours in 10 years uh maybe a few more maybe there are more than that but i've, I've seen to block out the losses um <laughs> but yeah unbelievable and for them to do it again you know i sat here and i actually told my wife on Sunday, i was like hey madrid just won again and for my first year retired it it bothered me i wanted to be a part of it i felt like i had missed out and i told her so you know what I don't, I'm good. Like, I, I'm happy for him. I'm just, I'm just glad, glad to see uh, Rudy, uh, Chus Mateo, and Sergi, Eddie, uh, Fabian Cosser win another one. It's amazing. Yeah. I think about how, how old they're getting to be. And I just, I mean, I take off my hat to them, you know, like you're, you're what, 40? I just turned 40. Yeah. Just turned 40. Yeah. It's impressive to, to maintain that level of play. Um, yeah. Pretty cool. Really cool. But um, yeah. so tell awesome. me. Sorry. Sorry. I had um, I did an interview with with Marca before the final four. And they're asking me, you know, what are some things they could lean on? It's like veteran leadership. Like those guys have been there forever. They yeah. not that, but Rudy and Sergi, they've been in the championships of everything. Spain has had such a competitive national team for the last decade. Longer than that, really. I mean, they play in some of the biggest games. They need to lean on that. And I, I'm, I was, I'm very pleased to see, you know, Sergi, big shot down the end. They put the ball in his hands and said, make a play. Yeah. 
yeah, that leadership, there's something to say for it, right? Um, and that experience for sure. But uh, it's too bad. Do you think over here in the States, we can't watch those games because there's not like the rights or an agreement? Or I didn't even look to see how I could watch it. But because um, I know Teledeporte, for example, like my yeah. parents, my parents here can't watch Teledeporte unless maybe they had a fire stick or something like that. But um, it would be cool if Americans could see what those games are all about because it's uh, it's really fun to watch and the level of play is is second to none. Yeah, no, I agree. I, there are ways to watch over here, but it's not convenient. There's no convenient ways to to watch it, and I wish it was a little more convenient. I know they were play, playing some of our games on NBA TV for a while, okay. uh, which made it kind of uh, convenient. They do like a yearly game a week or something like that. So every once in a while, my parents would be like, "Hey." They record it and everyone go watch, watch uh, NBA TV and watch our game. But um, we just we have so many sports here to try and and promote and and make money on and and show that it just kind of becomes secondary. I wish it wasn't. I think as the world continues to grow smaller, thanks to uh, technology, that uh, those things will become more available. I, even when I was at Madrid, there's always talks about, hey, let's add an NBA team from. Spain and the obvious obvious choice is, is a Madrid uh, flight wise um, level of competition wise. So who knows? That might yeah. be a decade down the road, but it definitely could could be a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. Well, my first question that I ask all of my guests: What's your first sports memory? It doesn't have to be basketball, but when you think about being a little kid, like, do you have your very first sports memory? Yeah, the first memory that comes to to my mind really is honestly, it's basketball. My dad was a high school coach. He he was kind of forced into taking a, a varsity men's job at a very young age, like I don't know, twenty two or twenty three. Mm-hmm. They said you you can be a teacher here, but you have to coach. Well, the basketball team's not any good. You, you don't understand. You're going to be a co- you're gonna coach the varsity and be a teacher or or neither. And so I remember being at the those practices and specifically for some reason I remember us standing in a circle doing some ball handling things and I was just in the circle as one of them I was probably six or seven years old just just really young and uh, that's my first memory after that swimming becomes uh where I had a lot of basketball memories or I'm sorry a lot of sports memories was competitive (laughs) swimming okay um and so would you say you came from a sports-minded family or your dad coached, but was he also a player in his young years? Yeah, my dad was a very good basketball player. He won multiple state championships. He played played junior college basketball. Then he just didn't, uh, I don't know, didn't have the desire to go on and continue. Uh, my mom, same thing, state champion in, in volleyball and, and swimming. And, and she had college scholarships as well. So very much a sports family. My dad and mom both grew up on farms or ranches. We moved into the big city of Evanston, Wyoming, that had 12, you know, big city of 12,000 people. And my dad's comments were, look, I can't have you go out do chores on the farm. We don't have a farm. It's going to be sports. You can play sports or go get a job. And the decision was easy for me. I, I loved competing. I loved playing sports. And uh, that was better than a, a, a minimum wage job any day. So. In high school, I lettered in five sports. I played you did. five sports. Yeah. Basketball, so, swimming, track and field. Basketball, football, 
cross country, track, and golf. Wow. Those are five sports I lettered in. I was all state in two of them, all conference in three of them. So Okay. That's amazing because I was just at my niece's volleyball game yesterday, and one of the dads was saying how, you know, volleyball goes all year round because you've got high school and you've got club, and so she can't play any other sports. And I, I lettered in basketball, soccer, and fast pitch. And I just think it's a, it's too bad. It's like, no, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a fan of kids trying everything and being able to cross train and have different friends and give their bodies a break, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It is. And it is, it's sad to see in, in youth sports right now, how much people are pushing that, that agenda. And it's just not, it's just not true. I mean, to begin with, College athletes and, and the majority of kids that go on to play college, they're multi-sport athletes. They've done more than one. And and cross-training, you know, football made me tough, able to take contact and things like that, that other people that haven't had that experience, they're, they're soccer. They they can't they, – they have to learn a different way. Um, and it's just too bad because you do you do have, you know, AU coaches and things like that say, no, you have to be here. This is your chance. You know, college coaches are going to be there. If you're not there, you're missing out. It's just a poor narrative. It's just not true, especially mm-hmm. sixth, seventh, eighth grade people. Um, they're not being recruited. As much as par- some parents or AU coaches want to say, hey, they're getting recruited, college coaches don't care. You're on a radar. Like, they might be on a list. But you have four years, and a lot can happen in those four years. And, and good coaches, don't worry about that. So play everything. Uh participate in everything and the sad reality too is maybe 10 percent of those people of these guys will go on to play more sports mm-hmm. that means 90 percent of them just need to have an amazing uh time competing at the high school level mm-hmm. well in your story uh you're definitely a testament to that to doing other things and still uh having success and being able to go forward in the future with your sport but um so when did you realize kind of decide that Hey, this is something I'm pretty good at, and potentially I could have a future in this. How old were you? Yeah, so up until I was about 12 years old, I didn't know if I wanted to swim or, or play basketball. And, and you know, in high school, they they have the same season because I was a good swimmer. I was I was uh, at swim meets competing against people that I saw win gold medals later on as we got really? older. So I was I was kind of at that level. You know, I was I was at zone qualifying times, boarding on junior national times. And ultimately 12 years old, we'd had a sixth grade teacher said, what, what do you want to do? I wrote down to be a professional basketball player. That was kind of it. That kind of sealed the deal. And I started to go down that road. Uh, my freshman year, I got invited to go play um, with like a JV team against a, a varsity team of a smaller school. And in that tournament, over the three games, I think I scored 29, 32, 35 points. And it just started to click that, like, hey, I'm pretty good at this. If I get the ball and you know, I can get into the paint, I feel like I can score every time. And mm-hmm. that kind of really jump-started that thought process. Okay. Um, so then I just read an article online about your recruiting process. And honestly, I was uh... – shocked um so i'm sure some people know about this but you weren't necessarily i was going to ask you like how was your recording process process was it overwhelming was it difficult but 
not necessarily, right? Very underwhelming is what it was. I'm uh, shocked. You know, it was it was crazy. It was it was always kind of hard. I mean, I you know, starting my sophomore year, I finished the state tournament. I scored 37 points in that last game. We won. Uh, junior year, I was averaging just you know right at 30 points. Wyoming Player of the Year. I went into some summer league stuff. The first summer league tournament we were in, I was the tournament MVP. Uh, and then I went to to Vegas and I went to LA and. You know, it's kind of disheartening. I really wanted to go to the University of Wyoming because mm -hmm. being a kid from Wyoming, that's where all my teachers went. That's that's our only school to watch. And the game that the University of Wyoming coaches were sitting on the bench or sitting on the stands right court side, we had two Wyoming kids on the team, and we played a combined two minutes that game. It was really bizarre, and I really don't understand it uh, to this day, but that was coach's decision. Um, anyway, fast forward, we go to my senior year and I'm, I'm scoring 40 points a game and looking at now, seeing where I am 40 years old, if anyone's scoring 40 points a game, I'm going to want to go watch him. What's that person doing? And we played in Laramie, uh, mm -hmm. twice, not one university Wyoming coach came and watched me play. We played in Cheyenne maybe six times. And that's a 30 minute drive from Laramie. Mm -hmm. Not one university Wyoming coach showed up, and um, they called me and said, "Hey, we couldn't make it. The roads were too bad." But the University of Utah was there, BYU was there, UVU was there. It was like somehow they can make it. Anyway, just it was so it was so underwhelming, especially by my home my home university uh, that I didn't have any offers. And I graduated or I finished out that season, and over spring break in April, my family and I we drove to the universities nearest to where we live. Mm -hmm. I know state and play stopped at Utah state and played pickup with their guys. One of their players went upstairs when we got done and said, this kid's good. He's, he's different. You should get him. Got a phone call on the way home. Hey, we want to offer you a scholarship. It's between you and another kid. Whoever says yes, first gets it. Took me about an hour and a half calling back and said, Hey, I'd love to come to Utah state. What an unconventional, uh, I mean, yeah. granted, that was what, 2000? 2002. 2002. Um, yeah. JC, one second. My little girl is crying, and I don't know if my parents are even aware that she's crying. Oh, okay. Do you mind? <laughs> um, yeah, so unconventional. And then I heard in the, or I read in the article that they were like, yeah, it's between you and another guy, whoever says yes first. And then at the end of the day, there was no other guy. I mean, <laughs> yeah, typical, yeah. typical. Yeah, typical, um, you know, good recruiting strategy on their part. Uh, grateful that, that it turned out that way. Utah State's, you know, jump started, gave me every opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, I played for a legendary coach and had wonderful team success, great individual success. So yeah. I um, wonder what those other coaches, you know, at Wyoming, I wonder how they felt after they saw wh where this kid went, you know? <laughs> yeah. And look, I'm sure they, there were some like, uh, we missed out, but there's other like, look, it's not exact science. We don't know. And we moved sure. on. I know they did get, they got beat up pretty good in the, the Wyoming press for, 
not let me go, especially after I started doing interviews and being more honest about it. You know, it, when I was a kid, it was like, I, I just, I, I want to make people happy or I didn't want to ruffle feathers, but now it's different. It's just like, this is how it was. Mm-hmm. They did a terrible job recruiting me. They made minimal effort and I ended up somewhere else. And yep. it's that clear. Yep. Um, okay. So you obviously uh, dedicated a lot of your time to perfecting your shot, uh, working out. What was the balance between academics throughout like your high school years and even college? Do you remember that being difficult to have to juggle both of those things or um, not? In high school, no, I don't remember it being difficult. I, I don't know. I just, I just knew I had to have good grades and, you know, I, I worked really hard. I didn't have a 4.0, but I was, I was like a 3.8 or something like that. I, I'd worked hard on my school. It just wasn't, it just never was a real difficult thing for me to balance. It was like, hey, I'm going to go to basketball, make sure I have my assignments in, and then I'll go do whatever else I want to do. Mm-hmm. Luckily for me, basketball was fun. So I didn't have to go look for, you know, tons of fun act. You know, what was, what was happening Friday night? Don't get me wrong. I had I had my girlfriend and we like to, to go do stuff, but it was always after those responsibilities were done. In uh-huh. college... I'm sorry. I don't know if you can hear all of this in the background, <laughs> which I just, mom. <sighs> it's okay. If, if you need me to hold her, I'll hold her. That's all right. I've got can four you hear kids. it though? Is it loud? I, I can't hear it. No, oh, you can't hear it. Okay, good. I'm then that's okay. Um, well, then college, right? College. I remember it being a little bit more of a, a struggle. We'd have, um, you know, we have big assignments or papers due and and we'd be traveling on the road. We'd be flying back, getting home late at night. And it was harder, uh, more difficult. Now, at the time, I thought I was a, a pretty good college student. Looking back now, say, yeah, I probably could have spent a little bit more time on those things. But it, it was so uh, it, was, it was demanding to be able to do those things. I, I still have a recurring dream that I'm late for a class. It's really weird. I I was in college 15 years ago. I still have this dream that I'm late to my math class. <laughs> yeah, we've probably all had those dreams. That's the worst. Or even being late to the bus for an away game or, you know. Yeah. Just, yeah. Um, okay, so fast forward. Um, well, no. So in college, you ended up majoring. So fast forward to college, you majored in Spanish teaching. Is that what I read? Yeah. So I, I went down the road of uh, Spanish teaching and I kind of thought my my post-basketball career was going to be in the education system uh, being a teacher. Okay. And I'm assuming that maybe that interest in teaching Spanish came from the two years prior that you uh, were in Chile before going to college? Yeah, it did. I spent I spent two years in the well in Chilean culture and learning Spanish, teaching people uh, in the Spanish language for two years. And it, my parents are both teachers. I knew what that lifestyle was, and it's a nice, it's a good lifestyle. There's not a lot of money in it, but uh, you get summers off, you get your Christmases, you're home at night when your kids are home. You get the opportunity to teach. There's there's a lot of positives with mm-hmm. it, and I knew that lifestyle. I knew it was a happy lifestyle because I grew up in it. 
and uh, combining it with my experience in, in the South American culture and the Spanish language just seemed like a, an amazing fit. Mm -hmm. uh, as I went down my road, I realized I had other interests, other ambitions, and and ultimately I've chosen a different path. But yeah, that's what I was, that was my focus in, while I was in college. And so uh, before moving on, um, I'm just curious, those two years that you were on a mission trip in Chile, did you train at all during those two years? Or like, how did you, because thinking about that now, you know, what we were just talking about, kids are like so focused on, on training. Their parents are spending all this money on personal trainers and AAU and to get that scholarship. And here you are, you take two years off, you're down in South America, and then all of a sudden you come back and you, you're going to go to college. And that just blows my mind, literally. Yeah. So no, while I was down in Chile, um, you know, I actually gained a lot of weight. They, they had amazing bread there with, uh, <laughs> with macar or dulce de leche that goes on it. And it was amazing. And no, I, as I left, you know, kind of mentally or figuratively, I, I put my basketball shoes, my basketball in the back of my closet in Evanston, Wyoming. It was like, I'll see this in two years, two years for two years, though, I'm going to focus 100% on the job I have at hand. And that job was to um, learn Spanish language, learn to, um, you know, let's call it faith principles to help change and help people's lives become better and 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 serve someone else, someone someone other than myself. And so that's what I did. We have, it was a missionary. It's a very disciplined lifestyle. You know, we're up uh, six in the morning studying. Then we go out and we're out all day until about, well, in Chile, until nine o'clock at night is when we come back to our apartments and, and plan for the next day. Every Monday is called preparation day. And that's the one day where we get to go, we go to the grocery store to get groceries and we can do something fun until six o'clock at night. So um, on those days, we typically play some soccer. Uh, we played baseball. We had maybe two or three of those days in in two years that uh, we actually played some form of basketball. But that was it. That was it. Mind-blowing. So interesting, though, because at the same time, I think that discipline and just that work ethic definitely is part of your DNA as far as your life on the basketball court. I haven't been able to watch the Metodo Carro. Um, I, I haven't seen it. And I we don't have Movistar Plus, but I was looking on YouTube. I was trying to watch it and I couldn't find it. But I'm assuming that, that it, it spills over into your just everything that you do. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So much. And, you know, I did I did learn before I, I went on the mission um, some some very disciplined habits. Right. I had my my 500 shot club that I would do every day in the summer. And I was up in the summer. You know, my mornings were six o'clock. I was at the gym lifting weights and then I go to work. My work started at eight, eight till three thirty in the afternoon. I cleaned baseball fields. I painted the lines. I cleaned the bathrooms. I swept off the bleachers. That was my summer job. And then I go back to the gym at five o'clock at night and I do my 500 shots. Then when that was done, I could go out and do something with friends. So I kind of had this discipline, you know, lifestyle of, of trying to reach goals. And then, yeah, I just got amplified as, as I went on my mission and, and learned a whole different aspect and, and way of looking at life. Mm -hmm. 
Um, now that you just talked about goals, um, you know, you go on, you have a great college career, you go to a lot of, of training camps, you end up overseas, um, and you end up playing for Real Madrid, one of the best teams uh, in Europe that just won the EuroLeague championship last night. Um, and you play for them for 10 years. So as far as goals, because during those 10 years when you were with Real Madrid, um, were you thinking about life afterwards or were you like having time to study something? Because now you live on a ranch, right? And yeah. you're an investment advisor, which are two things that you definitely did not study in college. So I'm sitting here thinking, where did you learn to do these things? Granted, you grew up on your parents. I mean, you grew up on a ranch, right? I did not. Your parents, your parents I, were, your parents, grew parents up on you know, my, my dad could work on his, his grandpa's ranch. That wasn't really around when I was a kid. And then my grandpa, my other grandpa had a dairy that my mom grew up on. But he's he sold out of the dairy business when I was four or five years old. So I didn't have any of them. So yes, question is, how did I get into those things? So um look, I started thinking about what came after basketball the day I signed my first contract to go play basketball. I was I didn't know how long it would last. I didn't know, and I had a fam, I had a, I was married, I had a daughter that was uh, a newborn, and so it was always in my mind, what's next? What's next? Let's let's do the best I can with this, but what's next? So I spent those, you know, 13 years of my career um, learning, right? There's, there's lots of times in hotels, there's lots of room in uh, times on airplanes, buses. And then, you know, let's be honest, the week to week is pretty easy until game day, game day, you're wrapped up for 10 hours, shoot around in the morning, uh, pre-game meal, pre-game map, you get to the gym three hours early, then you have the game, that's two hours, and then you stay an extra hour. Game days are long and hard. Travel days are long and hard. But your Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, um, it's like three hours of practice, and then you're at home. You know, so I spent that time kind of planning what came next. And I, I went down the roads. I created lots of business plans of different businesses that I thought could be work, could be successful. I learned why they couldn't be or, or why they would be or what it would take. And then ultimately, I had an amazing piece of beef in Spain. I said, what is this? Is Wagyu beef? And I just became completely obsessed with that for, for a couple of years. And I called everyone I could. I read every book I could to about genetics, about um, about feed programs and, and how to how to slaughter the animal, how to make the best use of every cut of beef. And so I just became obsessed with it. And now I've got my, my little ranch where I, I'm able to create an amazing beef product. And along the same lines, then it became, all right, wealth management. And I just kind of went down that same obsessive personality trait that I have of right, <laughs> how do we best people. How do we take the best care of them? What are the best markets to be in? What do we do if it's a down market? What do we do if it's an up? What do we, and, and just start going down how to add value to people. You know, how do we you know, make best use of tax taxes and, and make tax advantage plans. And you know, it just became a session. And, and ultimately that's, that's my career path going forward. Man, you are really blowing my mind because I've lived that overseas life and I have not ever played Euro league. I've played uh Euro cup, but um, that is just impressive that you, you really took advantage of your time and all those hours on buses, like you said, in hotels, um, 
kind of a self-taught guy, really. I mean, you've done the research. Yeah, there's there's a lot of that. And I just I've always just kind of thought, you know, I've just said, again, call it a, a flaw or, or a, a traitor. But I, I've always just kind of seen something and said, I can do that. I can figure out how to do that. And I'm happy to spend the time. Again, it just, it just become work. It becomes a joy. It's, you know, like basketball. For me, it was never work. I used to have people, they say, what are you doing this summer? I'd be like, well, I've got this camp, this camp. I'm going to this tournament. I'm doing this. And they go, oh, I'm sorry. That sounds terrible. I was like, so confused. Like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm so excited about this. What do you mean you're sorry for me? This, this is what I want to do. And that's how these, these things became. Like, I, I love going out and working cattle. I, I enjoy meeting with people and creating financial plans to help their, help their future. It's, it's not work when you enjoy it to yeah. save, save them. <laughs> yeah. And, and you're a lucky person if you can find that. Yeah. Um, but I just think I'm like, yeah, how does JC know how to herd cattle or how to collect honey? Cause don't, aren't you guys making your own honey and you've got bees and you're wearing the stuff and I'm just like, and you've got four kids. So, you know, to have time to do all these other things, I just. Yeah. Give credit to my wife. We, we just were two people that we can't sit still very easily. You know, <laughs> My wife's there along with everything. She's got her own thing she's doing as well. Um, and we just bring our kids along for the ride. Hey, we have to move cows. They'll come help move cows. Hey, we got to collect honey. Put them in a suit, help them collect honey. The only thing I, well, and I do have my oldest star. She's like, hey, dad, I, she's 14. She goes, I really want to make money and I want to invest some. What can I do? It's like, all right, great. Let's, let's, let's have this conversation and start, get you started now. She's got a great role model. Oh, that's so cool. That's so cool. Um, all right. And Anna, living overseas for the past, you lived overseas for a total of? 13 years. 13 years. Okay. Yes. Because you said Bella is 14. And yeah, you guys had her, what, your first year in Italy? First year in Italy in October. So first three months in Italy, she was born. Okay. So how would you say that living overseas for that long um, contributed, has contributed to your personal growth? as a human being? I think it's given not only me, but my wife and my, my kids, just a, just a, a much broader perspective on, on what the world is. Like I said, we can sit in our, in our little small towns. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. We sit in our small towns and, and we we're with a lot of people who have the same life experiences, uh, the same points of view and anything outside of that become something that, that could be scary or, or something that's intimidating and where we got thrust into a whole different culture a different different way of thinking uh to be in italy and in spain it just opened up our our minds opened up our our opportunity our viewpoint of the world that there are other things that are amazing out there and and believe me i'm <laughs> like i said my teammates and my i'm as american as they come but I'm able to look at things to go, you know what though, but Spain does this really well. Uh, Spain does this really well. You know, I spent some time with some people from Lithuania or, or Istanbul and, and man, there's some, there's some things out here that are pretty cool that I wish everyone could see. Mm -hmm. Yes. I, I echo that. I think in the United States, we have that tendency to think we do everything the best and it's definitely not the case. Yeah. Um, Real quick, I've got a couple more questions. We've got six minutes. Let's see if we can do it. Um, what do you think makes a good coach? I think, number one, a good coach has to be able to connect to his players uh, or 
Yeah, or her players. They have to have a connection. If, if you can connect to the players, they'll go and do just about anything for you. But they have to believe that you care about them. They have to believe that they have to trust in you. And then secondly, I think a, a good coach, uh, you know, takes time to stay the game and, and understand uh, X's and O's and and has a has a good game plan going forward. I think those are two things. If you if you connect with the kids and you can put together a decent game plan, I think you have a lot of success. Yep. And what do you think makes a good player, but not just a good player, but a good overseas player? Do you think there's a difference? I do, because I've seen very, very good, highly drafted, um, amazing college basketball players go overseas and just be terrible. Mm -hmm. Just just not be able to compete. I mean, number one draft picks going over and and guys that were in the G League, you know, scoring 30 points a night, come over and they're barely able to score two or three points. So um, what does it take a good overseas player? Um, people that are independent and people that can become involved in the commu new community that they're around, whether that's in Spain or Italy or Greece, they can really appreciate what they have. And the players that go over and have a more of a, I think more of in terms of team than in I and what I can do because mm -hmm. it's hard when you play at a college and you play 38 of the 40 minutes and then you go to a EuroLeague team they go great you're gonna play 20 minutes and playing 20 minutes puts you almost in like the top 20 minutes per you know played per per game and hey you're probably gonna shoot six times. And in those six shots, we'd like you to make four of them. You know, it's just a whole different mindset. And if you can buy into it, you can have amazing team success. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you won't be on that team the next year. Yep. Um, and really quick, just the last couple questions, um, fun questions at the end. Your favorite um, board game as a kid? I like shoots and ladders and Monopoly. <laughs> Some reason I, I really like if I get shoots and ladders with my kids, I'm like, let's go. And then I do enjoy Monopoly. Like I had Monopoly on my iPad. I did play that a lot in planes as well. For some okay. reason, I like that. Favorite television show? Did you have one? Growing up, uh, like the first TV show series I remember watching from start to finish was Scrubs. Okay. My wife bought me the whole like series DVDs. And so we just watched that like crazy. The other one was Seinfeld in college. We didn't have TV with my roommates. So we had like the, the box set of Seinfeld. And yep. so it just played in DVDs. That's what we watched. Okay. And lastly, name three things that you tend to keep on your bedside table. Three things on my bedside table. Huh. Yeah, that's a good question. Honestly, it's real simple. It's my cell phone, my, my watch, and... Um, Usually a glass of water. I go to bed drinking a glass of water. Those are kind of boring things, but that's that's literally what sits on my nightstand. Okay, good deal. Um, and any advice, final question, any advice to a somewhat new mom to get her child to sleep through the night? <laughs> <laughs> You've got four kids. Come on, tell me the secrets. <laughs> yeah. Um, shut all the doors and make the dad take it for a night. <laughs> yes. Can't hear them, but... Yeah. Yeah, newborn kids, I don't know. It's 
in the time it's hard, but, but just enjoy those, those sleepless nights and those, those tears and, and those cuddles because it goes fast. My youngest starts kindergarten next year and, and he's, he's this tall and has all kinds of ideas now. It's like, oh, just stay little, just stay little. So as, as stressful as it can be in the moment, it'll just be a moment. Then you look back and go, man, I, I, I'd kill for another one of those nights. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you. I'll keep that in mind because this time change coming from Madrid to Minnesota, it's a seven hour difference. And I think it's just completely messed with her, you know, obviously if it messes with my routine as an adult. So for her, it's even worse, but JC, oh, yeah. thank you so much for getting together with me. And we've never met before, but I've read online from other people that you're just a down to earth, um, humble, uh, type of guy. And that's exactly the vibe you're giving me. And I just really appreciate, uh, you taking the time to talk to me today. No, thanks. Uh, I'm excited and, uh, yeah, congrats with everything and no, thanks. Thanks for, for the conversation. Well, and th um, good luck with your ranch and with the honey. Uh, I think we can, can we buy, we can buy honey. We can buy the meat, right? Well, I don't know if we can buy the meat yet, but. Well, you can buy the honey. It's, it's, it's online. I think it's called river metal ranch apiary dot com or something like that order it and uh the beef i'm all sold out wow okay so. to be continued be continued yeah all right well thank you jc enjoy the rest of your day and um i appreciate you yeah thanks have a good day ciao 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 And that's a small portion of J.C. Carroll's story. I'd love to sit down and have dinner with him and his wife, Bailey, and ask them a thousand and one questions, because what an interesting ride they've had and continue to have. J.C.'s work ethic, mentality, values, goals, and capacity to work towards and accomplish those goals is nothing short of inspiring. Salt of the earth type of people. That's the vibe I got when I was talking to JC, just a humble guy with big dreams trying to do the best he can, making himself just a little better every single day, whether it's learning about bees, reading about investing, or serving a group of young kids by helping them with their shooting form. Literally, I am still basking in his greatness um, and still feeling inspired by his passion for life. And it's been it's been a month since we since we spoke, and I still feel uh, impacted by his words and just by his overall persona. Something else that really stood out to me and that I love about JC's story is how unconventional it was. Many times we think we have to do certain things at certain times, and perhaps we even pressure ourselves into doing so. But here's an example of a young guy taking two years off from playing ball, returning and continuing to chase his dream. He worked hard, don't get me wrong, he worked extremely hard, but he didn't go to college right away. And that is not too common in today's world for a student athlete. And then even while he was traveling all over the world, focusing on games, scouting reports, getting rest, treatment, his family, he still found time to plan for the future. And now look at him. He's off and running with a handful of new and exciting interests. I am in awe. Did I say that already? 
Honestly, I am just in awe. People like JC are a breath of fresh air, and I couldn't be more thankful for the conversation that we had. So anyway, bravo JC, bravo JC's parents, and bravo Bailey, because I'm sure JC's wife has also rubbed off on him as well. Anyway, I hope you've all enjoyed our conversation. Please get online and look JC up on Instagram. Check out the honey, the meat, maybe even swing on in and watch him coach this winter. Anyway, guys, thank you for listening, everyone. And before you head out, feel free to go over to Apple Podcasts and give the pod a five-star rating because by doing so, you'll be helping to get the word out to more and more listeners. And that's it for today. That's a wrap. Take care, everybody. Enjoy the week. Hasta pronto. Thank you.